Hi, this is Mike Levin. This is Podcast from the Swamp coming at you from Clearwater, Florida. It's Saturday, January 22nd, 2005, and I have Andrew Davey on the other line using Skype. Andrew is the author of iPodder SP. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Mike. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just great. Listen, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, for giving the world such a such a great new application. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about you, your background, and uh, the architecture and design of iPodder. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm still only a student. I'm at university at the minute, so I'm, yeah, because I'm only 20. Oh, I'm okay. A, I'm doing computer science here in the UK. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so iPodder SP is basically a sort of a sort of hobby project I'm doing in my free time, really, at the moment. Well, that's, um, a, that's cool. What, what university do you go to? I'm at the, the University of Warwick, oh, okay. um, yeah, in the sort of middle of England, really. It's a good university, brilliant. Cool, cool. So what prompted you to write iPod or SP? Uh, well, um, I've been listening to Adam Curry's podcast from basically the beginning, and I've been really sort of, well, really enjoying that, and like Dave, Dave Slush's um, Evil Genius as well. Right. Um, yeah, so I've been sort of like listening to them for quite a while, and about the time when the various iPod clients started coming out, I wanted to get involved in sort of the development, but didn't know Python and wasn't sort of in, involved in that, that that part of the development or anything. So I kind of took a back seat. But um, then at Christmas, I got the new my new phone, which is the new smartphone, the Orange SPV C500, ah. um, which, which I think is the audio box uh, over in America. Oh, cool! Right. Okay. So we have well, the same phone. Basically, on th- yeah, uh, and it's the phone Scoble has basically. Right. Um, yeah, so I got that, and I thought, okay, great, well, it's got the .NET framework on it, let's write some software. Cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I just thought, okay, well, I want to be able to bring podcasts straight onto the device, not have to sort of go through my computer. Um, yeah, so that's that's the motivation behind it, really, it's just the ability to download straight to the phone and take it on the bus with me in the morning and listen to the podcasts. Well, excellent. Well, I noticed, now, if I if I read correctly, you started development January 8th, is that right? Uh, yes, that, that, that'd be right, yes. So that's amazing. <laughs> you, got, you, got this, you got this product shrink-wrapped and, and available and, and running uh, yeah. in, in record time. I think that's mainly just down to the .NET framework having so much sort of built-in functionality that I'm just building on top of all the sort of like rich, rich classes that they provide. Uh-huh. Um, so it really bas- it basically basically frees me up to be able to sort of concentrate on the sort of on the actual application features, and not have to worry about Im- implementing loads of low-level code. I, I would think. Well, yeah, wha- um, why don't we dive right into it? And let me, let me just ask you, what what uh, sort of uh, architecture did you envision? Uh, what what were your first thoughts when you thought about uh, designing an aggregator for the uh, micro uh, the Microsoft uh, Windows uh, uh, for mobile devices uh, platform? Yeah, um, well the, the actual um, the actual platform itself is very limited because it's running on a phone which is not especially powerful. It's like well it's powerful for a phone but nothing like a desktop PC. Right. And there are obvious form factor limitations as well, like. Um, there's no there's no touch screen like like a PDA or anything, so you've only really got like these this sort of this sort of D pad action right. and two soft keys. So that 
that immediately brings up a lot of user interface uh, considerations you have to you have to make when, uh, when designing. Yeah, um, yeah uh, the initial uh, user interface is is quite a bit different to the current one. Uh, it, it started out with like quite a few separate windows, which is like one one for displaying, one for updating, and everything. Right. Whereas I've now I've now sort of brought that all into sort of one central interface, which is much more sort of consistent and yeah, well, and I think much easier to work with. Yes. But that's that's just basically born out of trial and error and experimenting with different UI, really. Oh, trial and error. Let's see. Today's the twenty second. Are we talking about um, fourteen days of trial and error? <laughs> yeah, about that. I know because well, um, because I'm writing it for myself mainly because I wanted the program to sort of get podcasts for me. So uh, as I've been using it, I've been thinking, okay, well, I don't like that bit of interface. Okay, I'll, well, if I change that to a tree view, not a list view, I can then expand and make you know just a, a sort of different a different user experience that okay. which flows better. Hey, well, that's bravo. You know, that's that's just great. Well, now you you basically have a, a user interface, and then you've got the the, the back end services, and uh, yeah. how how else can you describe this architecture? Um, yeah, it, 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 there's basically a split between the user interface sort of layer and then the background library uh, file. Which well, the the background library is really where all the sort of clever code is. That's where all the all the sort of theme and closure management uh, and the sort of um, OPML parsers and all the sort of real, real good bits of code are in that library, and the reason that the main reason, well, the reason for doing that mainly is one, it's a good design practice, but also because I've got plans for once this is finished, to actually create a version for for Pocket PC, ah. for, for, for like the iPack and everything, right? Because they because they also run the .NET framework. Okay. I can take that DLL and then run it straight on other devices. So that's that's uh, I, I think. A good plus to, okay. to the design. Now you say it's it's got a, a file as the persistent storage. Is that how it works? Yeah, um, it's all XML. Okay. Um, so in theory, anyone could come along and read my files and write a better version if, if they're so inclined. Yeah. Um, there are <laughs> one one thing about the .NET framework on these small devices is that it is actually a cut down version. So there are a few hurdles which you have to jump over, which you wouldn't usually have with the sort of full-blown Windows framework. Mm -hmm. uh, one example of that is XML serialization, which exists in the full framework, um, doesn't exist in, in the compact one. Ah, so you have to write that yourself. I did, yeah. So it's basically XML text writers all over the place. It's not, it's not too much code. It's just something which has to be done. Um, did you get like a, a bit of plumbing did, work? Really. Did, did you get a uh, XML, some sort of a prefab um, XML parser? Uh, no, again, that's all part of the .NET framework. Okay. It's got it's got an XML namespace which has a whole raft of uh, objects and uh, uh, classes and uh, various things to do XML. Uh, <laughs> one thing at minute which I want to change, I'm not happy about, is in the in the original versions when I was parsing RSS feeds, yeah. I was just using a standard XML parser. But a lot of people aren't formatting their RSS properly, and they're just having uh, in incorrect XML in there. Uh -huh. So when you would try and parse it, it would just throw an exception, right. and then you couldn't read the feed. Right. So at the minute, I've done something which I'm really not happy about, which is actually I'm not using the XML parse there. I'm just using standard string parsing and regular expressions. Which okay. so it's basically just going through and picking out the enclosure tags. Oh. But yeah, which I, I'm not happy about, but. 
at the same time, I didn't want to sort of not be able to sort of download the feeds from people. Right. <laughs> so I kind of like sort of, sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, really. Not, not yeah, I'm well, happy about, but it's, it's what I like for the moment. Well, I can, I can see where you're coming from there as a, as a podcaster. When I uh, produce podcasts from the swamp, um, I've experimented yeah. a little bit with multiple enclosures in the items and that sort of thing. And uh, not all aggregators are set up. In fact, no aggregator that I know of at the moment is set up to, to deal with multiple enclosures in the items. I think mine may do that. Ah, okay, great. I've not tested it with multiple enclosures, but there's no reason that there's nothing in the code which would which would not do that. Right. Because uh, it, it's just basically a really, really crude regular expression looking for angle bracket enclosure, uh -huh. close angle bracket. Uh, but... Yeah, but like I said, I'm really not happy about it, and I would prefer to change back to using a proper XML parser because when when you use a sort of proper XML parser, that that take care of all the sort of um, entity conversions, like you know you've got um, ampersands and things, right? Which which have to be escaped in, in, in into a into entity form. Exactly. So I've had so uh, so I've got I've got a working a working sort of subset, I think, but it's not not ideal by any means so I've been I've been posting on the iPod dev list about a week ago asking people to really make sure that their feeds are correct because it's it is a big problem because yeah. what will happen otherwise is we'll we'll end up with HTML again where everyone's got their own little, own little uh, twist on it yeah and there's no standard well that has that's been the controversy you know because I think Netscape uh, you know came up with RSS to well you know let's not even go there but but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know I think the the uh, RSS 2.0 is a good spec. That's yeah, it's an excellent spec. Yeah, yeah. So um, but you know perhaps you could you could uh, you could validate the RSS and um, you know throw up a throw up a a window that says hey you know that the, the RSS is not um, well formed or valid for this feed. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just thinking on my, on my feet here, one thing perhaps we could do is make it try and use the built-in proper XML parser, but if that fails, it could then fall back to using the sort of cruder string parsing, right. possibly, but at the same time then make it try and try and contact the the owner of that feed. Right. I've also been thinking of making a quick little tool which uh, basically walks through an OPML directory right. and checks each feed one at a time, and then maybe like then automatically email the owner of that feed saying oh, that is, check this out. What a great idea, especially for iPotter.org. You know? Exactly. Um, I, I bet I'll bet you that Adam and Dave would be happy to uh, to put a link to uh, to you know a little tool like that. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. But you know what really amazes me is uh, from concept to delivery, you know, January eighth, January twenty first, twenty second. It's about it's about two weeks isn't it? <laughs> today. Oh boy, you know um, yeah, I am pleased with it. I mean, I've been I've, I've, I've been working hard. I've spent a good while um, during the weekends. Really, is when I get most of the work done because I'm not I'm not doing doing my my university work then, so I can really concentrate on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it really has been a sort of a fast development cycle, really cycles. So have you gotten a lot of feedback? Um, yeah, I've had I've had some great feedback. Um, Lots of people. Well, um, I've had a few people who've been like, really testing it out and finding all the sort of tricky little bugs here and there. So I'm always getting emails saying, "Oh, I found when you sort of do this in this order and try and run this, it, it crashes with, with some error message." So that's that's been a great help because just being one person, it's kind of tricky to sort of debug a whole 
or application, yeah. especially when they get more complicated. Yeah. Well, listen, when I was in undergraduate school and I was first studying programming, we had a funny instructor, and he used to say, I am a beam of light, and I'm entering your eye. Why don't we uh, be a beam of light and enter your application from uh, the interface and, and do a quick process flow, a quick little walkthrough, and you can just talk about the interface, uh, maybe you know some .NET specific uh, components that you use, and walk through you know your typical uh, you know one of one of the, the the processes involved in in iPod or SP. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm just booting up my phone now. Uh, okay. Just take a couple of seconds. Yeah, I'll I'm, do the same I'm thing. I'm running out of memory on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem I have on this phone. I've got to sort of run run to applications. Okay, right. It's loaded up now. Okay, so the the sort of home screen is uh, a very simple tree view control where you've got a list of of all your subscribed feeds. So, for example, I've got like uh, Adam Curry here and Dawn and Drew and the uh, podcast on the swamp also just added. Oh, thank um, you very much. So, yeah, I thought I'd uh, add it now and listen to them all. Right. Um, okay, so that's so. Those are your feeds. Uh, when when you first install the application, it comes with a few default ones, just 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 so people can sort of see see what it looks like straight out of the box. Um, the, they can obviously change those if they want. Right. Uh, there's basically the interface on on a smartphone. For, for people who don't know, it's uh, you've got two soft keys, which basically relate to two two menus at the bottom of the screen. Right. Uh, the left soft key is sort of do an action, and the right soft key pops up a menu. Right. So if I pop up the podcast menu, I've then got a whole list of options for like update all, add feed, browse, delete settings, all things like that, really. Exactly. So um, one, 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 one feature I really like about the application is the uh, directory browser. Mm-hmm. So because when, when you want to add a feed, typing in a big long URL to some feed, Using just a phone, a number pad can be tricky. Uh, takes a long time. So the directory browser uh, is a, a good feature. So if I just load up the directory browser, right, that's great. I hadn't even noticed that yet. So I'm doing the same thing here. Right. Uh, yeah. So what was so it, 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 it takes a while because that that's now downloading the OPML uh, directory from right. the main the main iPod directory. Oh, okay. You can actually configure um, in the settings which, which directory it'll default to. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, okay. So mine's mine's just loaded up here, and now we've got another tree view. I find these uh, these tree views quite good for a smartphone where you've only got a sort of up, down, left, right uh-huh. uh, movement. Right. They make a sort of good way of organising the information, and obviously with the directory, that's exactly what you want, really, isn't it? A sort of, sort of, dr- a sort of drill down into categories, yes. kind of idea. Um, also, a new feature added just uh, probably just yesterday, last night, is a search. Mm-hmm. So, because because the directory has now grown out of proportion, it's huge enough. I think it's like there's like thousands of feeds out there, aren't there? There sure are. Um, you, you can do a menu and search. Right. And if I just type in, I'm oh, sure. Let's see if I if I if I, if I, if I type in swamp. Mm-hmm. And then hit search. It'll then search through the current directory it's got loaded. Uh, for that, for, for those keywords, and then and, and it's just it's just brought back in the search results, then podcast from the swamp. Okay. So it's basically making it very very quick to find uh, feeds because um, it's quite important because uh, well on, on on your computer it's quite easy to sort of do a search in Google and find things, whereas on the phone you, you you're a lot more restricted. So I, I sort of try to make the interface 
as easy as possible for someone to find what they're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, are you what yeah. what what IDE are you using to develop this? I'm using Visual Studio 2003, okay. uh, .NET 2003, and all the code written in C Sharp. Okay. It's sort of my current well, language of choice. Right. Uh, I do I do code in all sorts of other languages as well, but for this sort of project, it's uh it's the best sort of general purpose .NET language, I think. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. But yeah, um, I do do Java at university, but I. I, I um, for this phone, uh, .NET, I'm C-sharp, so. Now, just for, just for grins, let's say that you had decided on January 8th to use native Java and the, you know, the native Java, you know, J2SE 1.5 uh, libraries. Right. Uh, what, um, you know, what hurdles would you have to have uh, overcome with that? Well, one, I'd have to learn a lot more of, of, of the Java uh, framework because I've only really been doing the sort of Java in the university for, for, for my course, so I've not really done much of, of my own experimentation with the mobile, um, the sort of mobile Java right. uh, platform. Okay. I, 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 I'm aware of it. It's just given my current sort of tool set and uh, motivation for .NET. That's what I chose to do, and because of the .NET framework, I. Because I spent I spent the last few years really getting into that, okay. so I'm very f I'm very familiar with all the uh, sort of class libraries and where everything is. Right. So that's that's really why. Okay. Nothing against Java. Though. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Okay, so we're a beam of light, and we have entered the uh, right. the iPod or SP at the the user interface. We've uh, yes, and we're browsing. Okay. Well, if we just come after the uh, yeah, so once you've gone through that directory, you can then then drill down to a feed that you want, you can then hit subscribe, which then, then brings you back out to the main interface, and it's now added it to your list of subscribed feeds. So the next thing you want to do then is to is to update that feed and make it download uh, any new enclosures that, that are waiting. Right. Uh, and you've got two options. You can update the individ uh, an individual feed right. by selecting update. Or from the podcast menu, you can say "Update All," which will then loop through each feed right. and download download the RSS, and then it, so it will download the RSS and then parse for enclosure tags that that, that hasn't already got. Right. Um, it's taken a bit of uh, thinking and development time to get it working so that it's all it only downloads feeds which it hasn't already got. Uh -huh. um, also, what's quite important on this device is that the memory is quite limited. Uh, I've got a 512 megabyte card, right. but even but even that will fill up quite quickly once you've got a few deadly source codes and whatnot on it. That's right. Because they're like, so like 40 megabytes each or something. Yeah. Oh, my screen. Oh, hang on one sec. My screensaver's uh, kicking in. Okay, well, it's gone away again. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I put put, put put some effort into making it. For example, if you go to podcasts and settings. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a setting called enclosures per feed, which defaults to two. Yes. And what that means is that when it, when you first install the application, what you don't want is for it to go and download the last like 20 feeds from Adam Curry. Brilliant idea. Because yeah, because you only really want to have like the most the most recent few of them. Right. So this so so this number here, you can sort of change between like one and five, I think. Right. Well, there is the yeah, there has oh. been some controversy about how many feeds a person puts in the RSS.xml yeah. file. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It is an issue. Yeah. Um, I guess it comes down to really how often someone's posting new feeds. Right. But um, but exactly. But with with iPod or SP, you can basically control um, how many feeds it, it, it will bring down for you, and then um, 
what that does is it, 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 it will parse the entire RSS file and any enclosures which are sort of so well it'll get the first two right and it'll then sort of tick off the rest of them and say oh yeah I'm going to skip that one I'm going to skip the one and then sort of skip all, all the older ones so they won't ever be uh, brought down right um, okay yeah and it seems it's, it's, it seems to work quite well really yeah it sure does for, for me anyway um, I've also had to put in a feature in called clean history because the feeds.xml file uh, over time would get very big with all, all the old enclosure right. uh, information. So, because once you once you delete an enclosure from, from the program, it deletes the file, but keeps a reference to the URL in the feeds file still. Because otherwise, if you deleted the file and then update it again, it, it then bring the file back down onto the smart base. Exactly. Not really what, what you want. So, had to sort of um, have a sort of history. A history maintained, but obviously over time you want to then clear that history, so that's what that that feature there does. Okay. Um, and then, and so basically, we've now we've browsed the directory, we've uh, searched for and subscribed to some feeds, and updated them. Next thing we want to do, obviously, is play them. Uh, now we have actually spent time getting them down. Um, oh, uh, well, one thing, one thing uh, that, that I should mention about updating is the smartphone. Uh, can use well. IPRSP will use whatever internet connection the phone has available. Right. So um, I myself use the the ActiveSync pass through. So it's plugged into the computer and oh. then uses the computer's broadband connection to download. Oh, okay. Um, or, or what we also do is I've got I've got a Bluetooth connection as well to another computer, so I can Bluetooth connect and then use the broadband from that computer, which works quite well as well. Right. Um, if you if you're on the move and you've got GPRS, then it can use that. But GPRS in the UK costs lots of money because they charge you per megabyte. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not very popular at the moment because it just costs far too much money. Right. But I think in the States, some people have it flat rate, do they? Is that, is that correct? Some people have flat rate GPRS? Yeah, yeah, I, I think heard. so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So if you've got flat rate, then you could just, like, download enclosures whenever, whenever you want, wherever you are, that you've got a cell phone signal. So that's... Quite good. Anyway, yeah, so back to um, playing. Playing is very simple. You can scroll down, sort of dr drill down to the podcast you want to play, right? And then and then press the play the play button. Mm -hmm. That then shells out to Windows Media Player running on the phone, and the Media Player will then then play that file. And that's it. Um, and that's it. I also added a feature on the podcast menu called Play New. Right. And what Play New does is it will it looks through all the enclosures and then and then ones which have just been downloaded and not played yet it builds a playlist on the fly and then enqueues the playlist in Winamp so then Winamp will then go not Winamp that's not about Windows Media Player will then go through and then play a sort of a whole set of podcasts that have just been downloaded so that's um, that's the other the, yeah. the, the other alternative well good idea and, um, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, good idea. Well, what I was going to say was, now we've done a, uh, a walkthrough of the functionality, let's do a mini system development life cycle from, um, oh, I guess from concept to delivery. Uh, basically, you came up with the idea sometime before January 8th. Did you actually uh, put pen to paper and draw out some specs and requirements and uh, maybe a UML model? Yeah, um, because it was kind of started off at as a project for myself, as a hobby, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of rigor in in, in the old design. Right. But um, so the sort of the initial V one or sort of well, yeah, the sort of the sort of first first sort of um, hack at it 
was a sort of well let's just try and get something working because I wasn't even sure cause, because I because um, I was quite new to the whole mobile phone platform mm-hmm. so, so, so yeah so, so the, the first pass was uh, was more of a sort of prototype play play around um, but I took that code and then decided to sort of well sit down I've got I've got a tablet PC so I do a lot of design work on that I'll do sort of brainstorms and sort of UI layouts and object models on that I don't really use any UML sort of tools but I'll just draw draw boxes on my tablet PC because I find that good for sort of moving things around and experimenting with design okay um, yeah so from from the initial the initial hack I then decided to refactor the code I spent about a whole weekend sort of well, two solid days of pulling code apart and modeling it down and making it neat into sort of proper objects that sort of work together quite well right and that's that's formed that base library now, which contains all all the sort of interfaces and classes that I'm using. Uh, yeah, I'm not not sure what else to really say because I've I've not actually had any formal training with software design essentially because okay. I'm entirely self-taught. Well, let's let's um, just look at it from the standpoint of uh, the UI, and then the underlying uh, classes and uh, the class hierarchy. Um, you, okay. you, you've got a, a, a simple UI here. And um, you basically have two menu items. The well, more than that. Um, but if if we work backwards from the UI, how many um, classes would you say you have in the uh, the class hierarchy? Okay. Well, I can. Uh, well, f- well, the user interface. Um, the each each window that you see or each display is a form object. Okay. Um, which which derives from the .NET form object. Okay. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just in my IDE now. I can I can count up and tell there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are actually eight, well, um, seven seven forms which you actually see. Okay. Which do the various bits and pieces. Um, I had to do some subclassing to create the modal forms because the compact framework on the smartphone doesn't behave exactly as you would want it to in terms of when it shows what forms. Um, there are some issues which I had to work around. I've been doing a lot of reading up online on this sort of uh, MSDN articles because they've uh, Microsoft have posted a few sort of developer guidelines which I then try to incorporate into the code that I, I've written. Um, I found this quite useful but again it's like a lot of just playing around with the classes. But anyway, um, what else in the user interface is interesting. Uh, the tree view control, I had to do some subclassing there to add some functionality because the, the, the tree view which comes with the compact framework is very limited. It doesn't have all the events and sort of properties which you'd expect and, and get in the full-blown Windows framework. Right. So, yeah, so um, spent spent some time extending that, adding some, adding some more events that, that I needed. Right. Uh, other thing about user interface is threading. The application uses a lot of well, uses multi-threading to do 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 the downloading on a background thread, uh-huh. so the UI can remain responsive and still handle everything. But then you have the issue of marshalling between the threads. Then, so if your UI thread, if, if your worker thread has just finished downloading and wants to update the icons. Yes. It can't. It can't directly talk to the user interface because it's on a different thread. So you have to do some marshalling across the thread boundary to uh, ask the user interface to update. Okay. So I spent some time creating 
an object which sort of does that and does it cleanly and makes it easy then in code to to sort of quickly do, do updates. So that that was a good little bit of learning for me there as well. I had to do that. Marvelous. Um, if I if I continue yeah into the into sort of base library a bit more. Right. Yeah. Drill down. Yeah. Yeah. So so well, like I said, the base library has all the all the interesting bits of code. Uh, sort of the the bigger overview is you've got you've got feeds which are the RSS which you subscribe to uh, feeds then have enclosures um, so that's that's where everything starts really is with feeds and enclosures they're, they're, they're obviously sort of side objects which do bits and pieces right. um, there's also an OPML uh, parsing uh, class which can take a, a, a URL to an OPML feed okay. and run through that so that's another section. Mm -hmm. um, the other bit of code which I'm quite pleased with is my download manager. Um, excuse me. <coughs> yeah, the the well, not even download manager, a sort of a very general worker manager is what I've called it, where it allows me to to instance a worker manager from my UI, which is like on the main form instance that, and I can then basically queue up work up um, work items which the worker manager will then go through sequentially and execute and is then firing back events to the user interface to let, to, to let the UI know when something's happened. Right. But it, does, it just basically affords a very flexible model from a sort of user interface um, being separate from the background. It sort of does, sort of bridges the gap, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, not sure what else to really go into about. Okay, well, you know, actually, I think I think that's a good breaking point. Um, yeah. From yeah. the standpoint of uh, this is our first uh, Skype slash CDEX slash Transatlantic podcast from the swamp. <laughs> yeah, so, right, it's quite, quite a lot there. Yeah, so what I think we'll do is um, we'll wrap it up here for the, the, the first installment, uh, looking at iPod or SP, and, uh, and thank you very much. And, uh, okay. What I'll can do... Can I just uh, plug the website? Can I, can oh, I, please, can I yeah. the, the, the URL? Okay, okay. it's... Uh, www.equin.co.uk forward slash iPodRSP. Um, I guess if I write it down, then you can put a link or something at the weblog, maybe. Yeah, and if you you know if you'd like uh, to send any pictures, um, I'll, I'll post them on the weblog along with the uh, the announcement for the podcast. Okay. And uh, we'll solicit feedback, and uh, and we'll we'll go into part two at uh, at a later date once we've uh, once we've sorted through this information. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, super. Okay, well, thank you very much for the uh, for the interview. It's been a bit scary, but it's been okay. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, bye bye. Cheers for now, then. Bye.